Not only is all your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Now, that is a very controversial statement because of how much insane suffering there is in the world. Every time something horrific happens, an interviewer will say, meaningless, and that is what it looks like. That's what it looks like. See, look at it, look at it. This is meaningless. These, these 23 kids in India, what did they do? They ate lunch, and they're dead. Or more Oklahoma, or Boston. It's everywhere. Now we've got the internet, we've got no excuse for not crying every day. Weep with those who weep, right? If you don't have a theology that can cope with the internet horrors, you just better check out or get one. This text says our light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight. It doesn't say we'll be followed by an eternal weight of glory. That would be good enough. That would be good enough. That's not what it says. The word means produce, prepare, cause to bring about. I'll venture this. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. That's a very controversial statement, and I believe it. So that if anybody says to me that a believer's suffering was meaningless, I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet probably because they're, they're uh, probably hurting really bad right now. And I'm going to wait and see when the right time is. But I'm going to come back eventually and say, it wasn't meaningless. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. Because verse 17 says, my light momentary lifelong total affliction is doing something. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. This is the main unseen thing verse 18 is talking about, I think. What's the unseen you're supposed to look at? You're supposed to look at the, the, the promise of God in verse 17 that says your pain is doing something for you. You can't see it. You can't feel it. Either you see it with the eyes of faith, believe it because the text says it, or you lose heart. The clip I just played came from a service where John Piper ministered four years ago, and he was talking about suffering and that suffering is not wasted. It's not wasted in the life of a believer. And he was focusing in um, on the verses there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. I want to read those to you. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And Second Corinthians 5 goes on to talk about our heavenly dwelling and the ministry of reconciliation that we've been given because of Jesus Christ. The episode this week is going to be a little different than what I've done recently. 
And the reason why is because I wanted to reflect personally and share some things personally that some may know have been going on and to give an update, if you will, um, along with this topic on the personal area of life that's been going on. Everything came to a head on Good Friday. And as one of my sisters in Christ told me as I was sharing with her Friday what happened, she encouraged me that I would not forget this Good Friday for a long time, and I certainly won't. And I wanted to share this to also bring encouragement to other believers in Christ. Because I think in this time when we are dealing with suffering in different areas, whether it's because of the suffering that comes through the ministering of the gospel, the suffering that comes through poor choices in life, or it's the suffering that simply comes because we live in a fallen world, we must understand what Scripture has to say. And we cling to Christ in that moment knowing that He holds on to us. So I hope that you'll bear with me today through this episode as I share some personal things, some very personal things that have been going on lately, and also encourage us as we go through Scripture to remind us what Scripture says and to even share some personal insights. I've shared some of them before, but some of them that may bear witness with you if you've come out of this similar movement that I came out of and addressing the mindsets that once were believed, but thanks be to God for His Word that helps us to understand the truth and helps bring us comfort and peace. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. Before I jump into the more personal areas of life, I wanted to read Romans 8 to you, a good little section of it. Because it ties in with this, and I know that I have mentioned this before, but sometimes it's really good to uh, reflect on these scriptures once again so that we remember what scripture has to say. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits for the eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. As I said earlier, the reason why I wanted to do this episode, and it was a little bit different, is it's going to be more personal today. And some of this you may relate to, and honestly, there are many of us that are going through things in life that would classify as suffering. We live in a fallen world, and for those of us who are in Christ, we live in a now and not yet. We know that there are eternal promises that are already belonging to us because of Christ, And yet we don't see them currently. And this is the hope that we have because of what Christ did. And as we've just come out of this weekend and celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
And we've celebrated all last week in remembering what happened on his way to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and on throughout the week, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. As we reflect on the suffering of our Savior, it's important for us to understand what Jesus had to say about suffering and that he promised it to his disciples, that this is guaranteed in the life of a believer. We're not promised an easy road. We're not promised that everything is going to go our way. We're not told to decree and declare things and that we will always get what comes out of our mouth. We're not told that uh, we can call things into existence. We are told to trust in him and to understand that there is suffering that will take place. There will be trials. There will be persecutions. There will be difficulties. There will be hardships. But we are also promised hope and we are instructed to look to Christ, to remember what he's done and to rejoice. So last week was a difficult week in our family. And for those that may know and had been following this podcast and blog post for a while now, you will know that I have mentioned about my husband a couple of times and that he was diagnosed with MS in 2021. He began developing symptoms at the end of 2020 that were a bit concerning and we didn't know what it was at the time. We thought it may have been a disc issue because of his work. He started developing numbness uh, from it, it progressed to the from his uh, below his rib cage down both legs. He was still able to walk and move. And then later on in that December of 2020, it started affecting other areas. And I had to take him to the emergency room because he developed urinary retention. We had an idea at the time that it could be MS based on MRI scans that were done locally, but it wasn't fully diagnosed yet. It wasn't definitive. And so I was trying to find him medical care to get some answers. And so we were able to advance in that and get some help that he needed. But in the process, he was hospitalized a couple of times for infection. The second time he was hospitalized, it was for sepsis in March of 2021. And that was a very scary time. It was two days before we were supposed to go to um, a, a large university for him to be seen. And so we've been dealing with this since 2021. And there's been some victories and there's been some setbacks. This past week seemed like a setback. And it was a scary time. And the reason why I want to talk about this today is because, again, I want to encourage others who may be listening, but to also give God the glory for what he did, for what he continues to do, and for the, the change that he brought in, in my personal life in the last couple years and in our family. You see, even through this sickness, and I know that it's my husband that's going through it, but as his wife, it's affecting me as well. It even affects our children. And even when we have to take medical trips that we have to travel for hours to get to his doctor's appointments to see specialists. And so this week, we ended up having to take a trip twice to this specialist. And to make a long story short, because this could turn into a long story, there was an implant that my husband had done last year to help with the, with the urinary retention. And we were not guaranteed that it would be successful, but we were very thankful that it was. However, he started having issues over the past several weeks. And we noticed that the incision where his implant was began to open up and it began to have some drainage. So I immediately reached out to his doctor and they wanted to see him. They wanted to examine it. So we made a trip down there earlier this week on Tuesday. And so the doctor took a look at it and said, there needs to be a second surgery done and we need to relocate the battery for this implant. So they wanted to do the surgery pretty quickly before there was infection that set in. They planned to do the surgery on Thursday, but then they changed their minds and decided to do it on Friday to wait for the insurance to cover it, of course. So we waited the couple days. And in the process, my husband began to develop other symptoms that he did not have. The drainage began to change color, 
and he also started having some weird heat sensations going down one of his one of his legs. So this was a bit concerning. So by the time we got there Friday, they took a look at him, and the doctor told him that it was not good, that there was infection that had already set in, and they were going to have to take out the entire implant, the wire that was going to, into his spine, and also the battery that was operating it. And it was at that point that I'm with him in the room before they take him back for surgery. And I reached a point of knowing that this was a serious issue and the surgery was not going to go as we had intended it to go. And so after a little bit, I left the room and I went outside and I began to fall apart. I honestly fell apart and I began to pray. And I had been praying prior to that. And what was interesting too is that the day before, as I dropped my kids off with a relative and was trying to prepare and get ready for this trip, I prayed to the Lord and I, and I told the Lord, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I know what I would like to happen, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Now, that was much different than how I used to pray. In fact, what I used to do before was not even I would consider praying. It was commanding and demanding, decreeing, declaring. And had I been the same person several years ago when we had this done, I don't know how I would have honestly handled this entire situation with my husband but I probably would have been commanding that doctor to, to put the battery in any way and that this was not going to happen and that this was a demonic attack and, you know, on and on and on and not receiving the doctor's report. At any rate, they had to take out the entire device. And after the surgery, she called me and she told me that everything went well and that she was glad that we were there. She said it was fortuitous that we were there at the time that we were, which we know that nothing catches God off guard. And we know that nothing passes through the hands of God without him knowing about it. He's sovereign in all matters. So she told me that she was glad that we were there, that there was actually a pocket of pus around the battery pack, and there was also a bed of bacteria that was forming around the wire going into his spine. But everything came out well. So we're having to wait uh, for in six weeks, they're wanting to see him back and to repeat the surgery on the opposite side. And in the meantime, he may continue to have some ability to not have to catheterize, but he may not. And so we have to, so far, we're seeing some success with that, some some praises with that. We also know that we can praise God even when we don't see what we want. This whole situation for me personally was difficult. And it was difficult because, first of all, I'm seeing this happen to someone that I love and I care about. And it's also testing me. It's testing me and it's encouraging me and challenging me in my faith. And it's also helped me over the past couple of years to know how to biblically pray. It's amazing when you go through something really difficult, how God will use those circumstances. And this is what it is in using the suffering that we go through. He will use that in his people to help us, to conform us to his image, to help us in our understanding of who he is, to teach us things, even though in this movement, I was taught that God would never do things like that to teach us a lesson. But I believe that he does. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us that we are to trust him, that our dependency is upon him. And so I wanted to share that with you today. And I'm thankful. I'm so thankful. I praise God, even though we didn't get the outcome that we wanted. I rejoice. I rejoice because God heard my cries for mercy. He heard my prayer. And some may be saying, well, how can you say that when you didn't get what you asked for? Because I've had to understand over time that the peace of God is not in getting my will, but it's trusting his will. And I don't know why this didn't work out. I don't know if it's going to work out in the second surgery. I'm praying that it does. 
I'm praying that he won't ever have to need catheters anymore. But even if he doesn't, God's still God. He's still worthy of praise and glory. He's worth adoration. He's worth everything. Not because I get what I want, but because of who he is. And this has taught me personally in the past couple of years how to trust him, how to lean on him, and realize my need for him every single day. Some of the things that I used to believe when I was in this movement I wanted to share with you. I was jotting them down, some of the former beliefs. I want to encourage others in the Lord. I want to encourage other believers that are maybe at least, or maybe silently going through suffering. Maybe they're dealing with trials in their life and they don't know how to, to deal with it because it's so foreign and there's things that, that we've been taught when we're in this type of movement in the hyper-charismatic movement that are foreign to scripture. But we don't realize that at the time because we are just told you're supposed to decree and declare you're supposed to do these certain things. And I wanted to share some of these former beliefs. Maybe they'll, they'll resonate with you. Suffering is not God's best. Those were some of the things that I was taught. Suffering is not God's best. In fact, it's prosperity. If you're not prospering, then something's wrong with you. You're supposed to receive the report of the Lord. And if you say out loud what a doctor is saying to you or a negative thing that's being said, then you're accepting it. You're not allowed to you come in agreement with it is what we would say. If you come into agreement with it, then you're, you're not operating in faith. So that's how those things are, are handled many times by people in these movements is that you don't talk about it. You don't talk about sickness. You don't give power to it. You don't receive the doctor's report. You receive the report of the Lord. You don't pray your will be done. That's a weak prayer. This is not how a, a, a believer in Christ that has power and authority is supposed to pray, regardless of the fact that your, your Savior prayed that way in the Garden of Gethsemane. You are not supposed to pray that way. Your will be done. That is weak. You don't do that. You don't show weakness. Again, that goes back to you don't talk about what you're dealing with. You don't want to show weakness. I've heard people say you fake it till you make it. Some of the things that we believe, they bring more damage than, than healing, really, than freedom. Another one, if you're suffering, then something is wrong with your faith and your understanding of the abundant life Jesus promised, as I was talking about a few minutes ago. You'd be careful who you tell about your ailments and et cetera, your sicknesses, your frustrations, your financial difficulties, your children that are uh, walking away from the Lord, anything that you're dealing with that doesn't look like victory. Be careful who you tell about your about these things because they may pray against your faith and affect the outcome you desire. Coming against or questioning leaders, leaving a spiritual covering leads to curses. These were all things that I once held to and believed. And these were things that I struggled with at some point in this process over the past few years of dealing with this within our family. Because there were times that I blamed myself for my husband's MS, that I thought if I hadn't said anything, if we hadn't said anything, actually, that none of this would have happened. If we hadn't left our spiritual covering, none of this would have happened. I struggled with wanting to tell people because I didn't, you know, it was still that mindset of, should I talk about this? Should I not talk about it? And finally getting free from that and realizing it's good to talk about it because you have other brothers and sisters in Christ, depending on who you're talking to, that you need to be asking for prayer and sharing these things, helping them to bear your burden with you, that we are supposed to do that as believers. So those were some of the things that I dealt with, and perhaps you have dealt with them as well. And that's, again, why I want to share them. I want to reiterate that again. This is why I share them so that you can be encouraged in the Lord and maybe recognize some of these areas that you've battled with in your life and realize that scripture helps us and it encourages us. And that as believers in Christ, we can encourage one another in the Lord 
pray for one another, bear each other's burdens, cry with one another, rejoice with one another. This is what we are to do as believers in Christ. So here's some of the truth I've started realizing over the past few years when faced with this issue that's in our life now. Suffering is promised to believers. Jesus told his disciples, he reminded them that if the world hates you, as far as you talking about you suffer for the sake of Christ, if the world hates me, Jesus said, then they will hate you. They hated Jesus because of the fact that people that don't want Christ love their sin. They don't want to know that they need a savior. They don't want to hear it. We're promised that. His disciples were promised that. It's a good reminder for us that 11 of the 12 apostles of Christ were martyred for the sake of Christ. And John was persecuted for the sake of Christ. He died of old age, but they suffered. Paul suffered. There are many martyrs, Christians throughout the centuries, throughout the years, the past 2,000 years, that have suffered for the sake of Christ. There are people that have suffered in, in their bodies because of physical ailments. They have suffered because of poverty. They have suffered in so many different areas of their life that, that they have suffered. Being a believer does not make you immune from suffering. In fact, when you're a believer, that's one of the things that you're promised that's going to happen is that you are going to suffer. You are going to go through hardships. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through tribulations. You're going to go through persecution. You're going to go through things in this world because it's a fallen world and we're not put in a vacuum. We're, we're susceptible to these things. The difference is, is that we have hope in the midst of that. We can rejoice in the midst of those things. Even in our suffering, we can rejoice. We should be rejoicing. And that's one of the things I want to bring up here too about some of the truths to realize. Suffering conforms us to his image and draws us closer to God. Again, these are things that we can find in scripture and help us to understand. Suffering humbles us and it reminds us of our need and dependency upon God. I know for the past few years, when I look back, even in my time in the hypercharismatic slash New Apostolic Reformation, I was a very prideful person, and I didn't think I was, but I was a very prideful and arrogant person, and that's not the fruit of a born-again believer. When you go through things like this, like what we've gone through, and there are people that have gone through way more, far more than than we have in as far as hardships and suffering, when you go through a, a trial you begin to understand your need for God, that you need him and you're dependent on him every moment of every day. And it's a good place to be. Being humbled in suffering is a good place to be because you remember to whom you belong and why you need him and that you are not an island in and of yourself and that you don't have and possess all this power and authority, but that you need God. You need him every day. And he is faithful to be there when we need him, he's faithful. We are to share with other believers and to ask for prayer. To think that a human being can hinder God's working and answer to prayer is absolutely unbiblical. Let me just say that again. To think that a human being can hinder God's working and answer to prayer is unbiblical. I cannot believe, it, it is really difficult for me to look back now and think I used to believe that type of of teaching. But we were told to be very cautious about who we shared prayer requests with because we didn't want someone praying against what we wanted and what we were believing for. That shows our un, our lack of understanding in God's sovereignty and it shows our lack of God of understanding of God's om, omnipotence. God is not someone that can be overridden by someone else's prayer that we view as witchcraft. God 
is much bigger <laughs> than that. And when we don't understand that, that there are things that happen that we don't understand, but we, we go back to God's sovereignty, then we can find peace in that. And that's why I said a little bit ago, coming to this point personally has helped, helped me to understand over the past few years, though there's things that I pray for and I ask God for, and I do ask for God to heal him. I ask continuously for God to heal my husband. And there's nothing wrong with asking for God to heal and to, um, to take away sicknesses, for example, or difficulties. At the same time, it's important that we understand if those things are not changing the way that we want them to, then we do pray, God, your will be done. And God, use this for your glory, whether it's in my sanctification, in my um, understanding of my my need for you, in, in my weakness, that I'm drawing closer to you, I'm ever being conformed to your image, and that this is being used for my sanctification or family member's sanctification or whatever it is, that you would be glorified above all things. There are things that are going to happen that we do not understand. There are things that are going to happen that the answer to our prayer is going to be a yes from God or a mixture of a yes and no. And in this situation, I look at this prayer as he answered a yes to giving my husband protection and the provision and the care that he needed. And it was a no or not or not right now to this device. And I have to rejoice. I rejoice. That gives great comfort to know that and to know that he is humbling us. He humbles us to be more compassionate to other people. And I'm going to read something in just a few minutes from an article I found about suffering. I think that will be of encouragement. It's encouraging me and I hope it encourages you. But suffering, it does humble us. And it also helps us to see that we are to rely on one another as believers to go to one another and to ask for prayer and to bear burdens, as I've said. But I hope that this helps to see that you don't need to be afraid to tell certain people. If you don't want to tell someone, then don't tell some, then don't tell them. But don't be afraid to tell other fellow believers in Christ that you need prayer because you're afraid that someone's faith isn't at the same level as yours and that they're going to undo your prayer. Think much more of God than that. And and I just mean that in a very gracious and humble way. Think more of the God who saved you than that. Because he's greater than that. And even if you don't get the answer to your prayer that you want, I want to remind you with this, there is always a reason to praise the Lord, even in our suffering. You know, sometimes we tend just to praise God when everything's going well, or we tend to praise God when we've gotten the answer to our prayer that we asked for. But there's always a reason over the past few years I've learned. There's a, always a reason to praise God. Scripture reminds us in Philippians 4 when we um, are to not be anxious for anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to make our requests known to God. We don't just simply pray and, make, and treat prayers if it's on a checklist that we, that we mark it off when it's done. But when we're coming to prayer, we want to thank God. We want to have an attitude of adoration before him of thanksgiving. Even when we don't have the answer to prayer that we want, there is always a reason to thank God. I thank God that even though that device had to come out, that he got us there at the time, the right time. If they had moved that battery and relocated it before that infection had been been found, it is hard telling what would have happened. And honestly, I think that my husband was getting ready to get more sick 
But God in his infinite mercy and grace answered my prayer with getting him the the care that he needed, the medical care that he needed, and getting that infection taken care of before there could be further complications. That to me is a reason to rejoice. Is the surgery in six weeks going to work and be successful? I don't know. I have no idea. What I do know is this, whether that future surgery is successful or not does not change who God is. If my husband has to use catheters for the rest of his life, then so be it. We'll rejoice. If he has the surgery and it's successful, we praise God. If he doesn't have to have a second surgery because he continues to not have to use catheters, praise God. There's always a reason to praise God. I I want to encourage you in that. Even when you don't get what you're asking for in prayer, that doesn't change who God is because he's still worthy of worship. He's still worthy of praise. Thank him that you're able to get out of bed. Thank him that you that you're able to walk and to move. Thank him. There's re, there's all, I mean there's all kinds of things around us reasons that we can praise and thank God. And suffering happens. It happens whether you're under a quote spiritual covering or not. Again, we must think more of God than we do these these beliefs, these doctrines that we've created that don't match up with scripture that are they're almost akin to believing in some sort of a witchcraft type belief system. Listen, suffering happens and it happens whether you're a believer or you're an unbeliever. It happens because we live in a fallen world and there's reasons why we can suffer. We can suffer simply because of living in this fallen world. We can suffer because of poor choices that we make and reaping what we've sowed. We can suffer because of uh, persecution that takes place when we share the gospel. We can suffer for lots of different reasons, but we can be encouraged in the Lord to know he takes care of us and that he will comfort us in our times of affliction and that we can look to him. I mean, read Psalms, read the book of Psalms if you're not convinced that there are people who know God and haven't suffered. I mean, the psalmist they lamented, they rejoiced and they lamented. And this helps us to see, for one thing, there's a, there's a lot of um, correlations to, to Christ in those Psalms when we read them. We can also be encouraged as believers to know this is normal. This is the normal life of a believer. It's not going to be, oh, I, I'm doing, I'm highly blessed and favored of the Lord. And I don't want to say anything contrary to that because then I'm receiving a negative report and then I'm not going to have God's best. No, it's better to be honest when you're struggling and to say, yeah, I'm having a really hard time. and I need you to pray for me. I'm dealing with something in my body right now. I'm dealing with this sickness and I, I need strength. I need, I need you to pray for me, brother or sister, whoever you're talking to. You need to be able to go to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You turn to the Lord in your moments of weakness, in those times when you recognize your need for the Lord, which there's quite often that many of us recognize our need for the Lord, and that's the way it should be. But suffering happens. You're not immune to it, and you're, you're not, um, again, in a vacuum. You're not going to escape it. At some point, you're going to suffer. But as believers, we have hope. We have hope. And Scripture reminds us of this. I mean, even Peter, when he was talking to the believers in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, he's reminding them of that they are going to suffer for the sake of Christ. And he says in verse 10, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
Paul reminded the believers in Rome in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, as I read at the beginning, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And we know that 2 Corinthians 4, 17, that I read to you about this light momentary affliction is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory. Sometimes we because of the things that we've been taught, we do not view sickness as preparing us for an eternal weight of glory, this light momentary affliction, because it doesn't seem light and it doesn't seem momentary. It seems like it never stops. When is this going to stop, God? When is my suffering going to stop? When you die. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's that. That's when suffering stops for us because we'll be with God. But there's in the meantime, we can still rejoice in this and, and remember This is preparing me as a believer for the weight of his eternal glory. It's preparing me for that. As John Piper was sharing in the beginning, we can also see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful. Sometimes we're disciplined by God. I know that is not a popular teaching, but that's a biblical teaching. That is something that many of us, myself included, were taught. God does not do that. Well, Hebrews 12, 11 disagrees because it says for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We must understand that we are going to face suffering and how we face it. If we suffer well, that is the question. Are we going to suffer well? And there's times I have not suffered well. I I do not like suffering. If I could choose to not suffer, I would choose not to suffer. But I know that suffering is going to take place. We can't ignore it. We can't escape it. We can't avoid it. We can't decree it away. We can't declare it away. We pray. We petition God. We ask. We we meditate on His Word. We draw close to God in the midst of our suffering. We praise Him in the midst of our suffering. We rejoice. We cry when necessary. We go to our uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and we, we ask for prayer and we trust. We trust God. And then we wait. We wait. I wanted to read to you from Bible.org about, uh, I'll post the, the link to this in the description, but this is um, an article that talks about the doctrine of suffering. And I wanted to scroll down and read to you um, the area where it's uh, the section where it says purposes and reasons for suffering. The first one they list is we suffer as a testimony and as a witness. And one of the scriptures they share is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, such is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship to the point of imprisonment as a criminal, but God's message is not imprisoned. So I endure all things for the sake of those chosen by God, that they too may obtain salvation in Christ Jesus and its eternal glory. And when believers handle suffering joyfully and with stability, it becomes a marvelous testimony to the power and life of Christ that we claim and name. The second reason they give for uh, suffering is that we suffer to develop our capacity and sympathy in comforting others. And they reference 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. Another one, we suffer to keep down pride. And they talk about the Apostle Paul and the thorn in the flesh he had in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that it was an instrument allowed by God to help him maintain a spirit of humility and dependence on the Lord because of the special revelations he had seen as one who had been caught up to the third heaven. We suffer because it is a training tool that God uses suffering to develop our personal righteousness, maturity, and our walk with him. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 says, My brothers and sisters, 
Consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials, because you know that the testimony of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect effect, so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. Another reason why we can suffer is to bring about continued dependence on the grace and power of God. Some of these are going to be uh, reiterating some of the things I've said, but we must understand that suffering is designed to cause us to walk by God's ability, power, and provision rather than by our own. We suffer to manifest the life and character of Christ, which helps us to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-11, through 11, the Apostle Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, We are experiencing trouble on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are knocked down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. For we who are alive are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal body. We suffer to manifest the evil nature of evil men and the righteousness of the justice of God when it falls in judgment. Suffering at the hands of people is used for of God to fill up the measure of their sins. It shows the evil character of those who persecute others and the justice of God's judgment when it, fa- when it falls. This author also points out that we suffer to broaden our ministries, citing Philippians chapter 1, verses 12-14. through 14. And he says, in the process of producing Christian character and enhancing our testimony to others, suffering often opens up doors for ministry we could never have imagined. Paul's imprisonment resulted in the spread of the gospel within the elite imperial praetorian guard. The apostle was undoubtedly continuing to rejoice in the Lord, but if he had been complaining, sulking, and bitter, his witness would have been zero. And so these things and, and others remind us of why we suffer and that suffering does come. And we want to be a good witness in our suffering. We know that we are going to have moments of weakness where we're going to, to we are going to utterly fail. And that is again why we need Christ. This is why the 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 humbling that takes place is is a beautiful thing before the Lord because we are reminded of our need for Him. And so, I wanted to share those things with you today, and I hope that. Um, that you'll go to scripture and to study the word and to see what the word has to say about suffering in addition to some of the verses that were shared today. But I wanted to share a little bit more of this clip before we end our time together today from what John Piper shared. I think it is very encouraging. He talks in this clip, and I'll share the, 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 the link to this clip below in the description. But he talks about that um, that our suffering is not wasted, that Uh, There's a purpose for it, and he talks about John the Baptist, which I don't know if anybody's ever thought about that, about John the Baptist, but the fact that he sat in prison, he was imprisoned by Herod because he he called him out for his adultery with his brother's wife, and that Herodias, uh, Herodias's daughter came and danced for Herod, and that it was so pleasing to him that he offered her up to half the kingdom, and when Herodias's daughter went to her to ask her what she should ask for from Herod, she wanted John the Baptist's head on a platter. His point in saying this was that that some people would look at this as being meaningless, that, you know, he didn't, John the Baptist didn't do anything. What is the point? This, this suffering just seems meaningless. And he says that he hopes that in the last moments when John the Baptist is in prison, that he hopes that he meditates on what on what God's word would say and and understand about this light momentary affliction is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory. But I wanted to share a little bit more what he says at the end of this, and I hope that, that it will encourage you. 
I believe the main because for not losing heart in this text is that none of your suffering is meaningless. It'll feel that way. That's why verse 18 says, don't look at what's seen. I mean, you just stand there watching that happen. You just stand there watching that happen. You're going to kill him. He didn't do anything. She just danced. Don't do that. It's meaningless. This is totally crazy. This is an absurd novel. This doesn't happen. That's, that's the way you talk, right? What, you, what your eyes are telling you is meaningless. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out. Don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart. But take these truths and day by day focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach his word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. And with that, our time together is over today. I hope that this has encouraged you and I hope that this has helped in some way if you're dealing with a hard time in your life right now, or you have, and I ask that you would continue to pray for my family, continue to pray for my husband. And if you need prayer, please feel free to email me at dawn at lovesubscribe.com. I would love to pray for you and I'd love to hear from you. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope that you'll consider leaving a five-star review and sharing it with others that may need to hear it. I hope that you have a blessed week and I look forward to being on here with you again as we cover another topic. Be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.